Hey there and welcome to all of our listeners. It's good to have you back with us. It's always a privilege to be able to share God's Word with you. I find it even more of a privilege from the Lord to be able to share with so many of you around the world. I honestly really don't know how many of you have come to listen and read what the Lord gives us, but I praise God that you have chosen us to be a source of God's truth for your life. I do know that it is all His work. We pray that we can continue to be a blessing and encouragement to you as we continue dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. As part of today's prayer time, I would like to encourage you to pray for people that are in places where there is great adversity. Towards the end of last week, I was contacted by one of our listeners in an undisclosed area in Africa where he was sharing what has been happening over there and how difficult it has been to continue working in the ministry with so many challenges around them. Many people have died, and as a result, many children have been left homeless and orphaned. The lives of our Christian brethren are being threatened continually as we speak. So I encourage you to pray for people like these that cannot enjoy the freedom that some of us do have of being able to follow our God in relative peace. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, I praise you and I worship you, O Lord, because you're good and because your mercy is everlasting. Because we can, tr- we can trust you, Lord. Because we can come to you. Because we know that you listen to us. Because we know that you love us, O Lord. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I, I, I want to ask you in this moment, Lord, um, for the different people that are just going through really tough times, Lord. Especially uh, suffering because of the kingdom. Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus first for your divine protection upon their lives. I pray also, Lord God, that if they have need, that you may supply that need, Lord. That, Lord God, that you may give them those different things that are necessary for them. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help those of us understand that do have a great freedom. Lord God, to cherish that freedom, to take care of that freedom, and to use that freedom, Lord God, to be able to help others that do not have it. Help us, O Lord, to be able to value it in such a way that that we understand that you're giving it to us for a purpose and for a reason, and so that we could use it for good, for good for those that are around us and for those that might be far away that need that help. I pray now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, that you may help us to understand your word, that your word may may just come in deep in us and may do that work that you want it to do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Today, we'll be looking at the last church that is written to in the book of Revelation, which is the church of Laodicea. So this is the last of the seven churches. Um, Our passage today is found in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. And it says like this, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot, I could wish you were cold or hot, so then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see. As many as I love, 
I rebuke and chasten. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Laodicea was believed to have been a wealthy city during the Roman period. Laodicea was not only located on major trade routes that connected it to other important cities in the region like Ephesus and Smyrna and Sardis, which are the places where other churches were located at, but it was also a center of textile production and banking. So, it was a place of money. And regarding its spiritual environment, it is very similar to the other areas where the other churches were located. It seems that the common theme of that time in that region is that there was plenty of money, idolatry and paganism, mixed in with all kinds of sexual morality and depravity. So it is not very different to the time we're living now. Let's face it. Many people might feel that because they are not kneeling down to images carved in stone or wood, that there isn't such idolatry. But the reality is that idolatry is rather rampant in today's society. Idols come in different shapes, sizes, and kinds, which is basically anything that takes first place in a person's life. An idol is ultimately something that is put in the place where God should be. Now, if we try to unpack a bit what the Lord is saying to this church, where he first starts is identifying who he is. As the Amen, he is the so be it of God. He is the one that makes it happen. The Bible explains this about Jesus in the book of Colossians. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. As the Amen, He makes it all possible. He made creation possible, the visible and the invisible. So whether you're talking about the stars and the planets and trees, or gravity and oxygen, Jesus is what makes it possible, just like all form of power. In the Amen, all things consist, which means the person of Jesus is what makes every single thing in the universe keep going. Nothing can exist without Him. As a faithful and true witness, he has seen everything, and obviously so, because he's been around forever. The second thing he makes them aware of is that he knows what they have done, which is their works. He has been a witness to their actions, and he cites them as being lukewarm, which is something very undesirable to him. The problem with being lukewarm is in reference to their disposition, that they waver. There's no real decisiveness in them. One day, they could feel a certain way, and another day, they feel like something else. They're categorized as unstable, and the instability is ultimately a problem of faith. The Bible explains it like this in the book of James. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. When there is doubt, a person is unstable. And that will ultimately get you nothing with the Lord. And can you blame him? Would you like to have a person next to you that changes with the variations of wind, or rather, depending on the circumstances they're in, that they can never be trusted? I don't think so. The observation we can make is that he sees a spirit of pride in them because they trust in their riches. 
Apparently their faith is more situated on their material possessions. But he tries to make them aware that even though they have material things, that in the grand scheme of things, these things don't really amount to much, especially when it comes to spiritual things and eternal life itself. He's explaining to them that wealth, although it within itself is not wrong or evil, cannot become something that they put their trust in. For in doing so, they have become wretched and miserable, poor, blind, and naked people. And if we do that, we become those things also. Possessions, no matter what they are, really don't mean much, nor can they be of much help. Now the Lord gives them His counsel and direction, so they can come out of their fallen state, because at this time, they're in real bad shape. The audience of one, if you will, is not pleased at all, but rather he is at the point of vomiting them out of his mouth. That's how bad things are. So he tells them to buy from him gold refined in fire. Well, what does that mean? The Bible teaches us that we need to become precious metal or gold through his help, and that this precious metal has to be treated or tested so it is tried and purified so it becomes something of real value. The Lord allows for the fire of trial and tribulation to come upon a person's life so they can be cleaned from all those things that need to be removed from their lives, which ultimately means getting rid of, rid of, rid of sin. He refers to white garments in the sense that they need to clothe themselves with what He gives them. Our garments can only become pure white through the washing of the Word of God. The Word of God is what helps transform lives to become something better and different through the power of the Holy Spirit. For it is written, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We need to be washed from all of our past sins, which not only implies forgiveness, but that we actually need to stop doing those kinds of things. God is in the business of changing and transforming lives so that we can leave behind those things that produce death and so we can go on to greater and more meaningful things that produce life in us. The Lord also makes mention of them needing to anoint their eyes with eye salve so that their eyes are cleansed and healed. So eye salve is basically an ointment for the eyes. So he's referring to their spiritual eyesight or their spiritual blindness and that it needs to be healed so they can see things clearly. And again, our eyes can only be opened by the truth of God which can only be found in his word. For it is written, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The Bible also says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. One of the main points of getting into the scripture, into the word of God, is so that a person can go through the transformation process in all respects. So they're complete and equipped, not just for some things, but for every good work. We are saved with a purpose in mind, so that our lives can have eternal meaning. Now God doesn't tell them all this stuff because He just wants to hurt them and discourage them. 
but rather because he loves them. Because despite their fallen state, he wants for them to change and to move on to better things. God loves those whom he rebukes and chastens, which means he will allow for pressure to come upon your life so that you can be transformed and made different. He loves us just as we are, but he wants to take us from point A to point B, if you will. Think about it this way. Pretend he's a sculptor and we're just a massive piece of stone. The mass within itself does not have great value, but as God starts chiseling away all kinds of pieces, his vision of us begins to, begins to emerge and become visible. As he continues hammering and shaping away, the once big dumb rock is becoming something of value. By the time he is done, the once formless shape of material is now an exquisite and extremely valuable work of art, ready to be displayed so that all can see what he is capable of doing. God is capable of doing amazing things in a person's life if a person allows for him to do his handiwork through his Holy Spirit and his word. And finally, he makes a personal invitation to not only the people in this church, but to everyone that reads his counsel, that he stands and knocks on the door of each of our hearts. And if we listen and we let him in, the Lord Almighty will come and live in our hearts by faith, and will begin to have a genuine and intimate relationship with us. And included in that invitation, he not only invites everyone to just give him a chance, but also he encourages us to overcome, to make it to the end, because that is the only way we will experience the awesome things he has for those that love him and remain faithful to him. Does this mean that we'll always get it right and be perfect? Absolutely not. But we need always to continue moving forward, no matter what the cost. And as a last point of his counsel or his advice, he tells us to hear what the Spirit says. In the end, nothing can happen unless we truly listen with attentive hearts and do what he tells us to do. The whole point of all these letters to these different churches is to identify what is wrong and what will happen if the wrong is not fixed. But even more importantly, he gave us these letters to help us understand that the real promises he has for us and that he can make the impossible possible, bringing an incredible change redemption and transformation to broken lives. And probably the most important point of all, God's transformation in our lives brings about eternal life and eternal rewards. Let's pray. Lord God, <clears throat> I give you thanks, O Lord, because not only do you try to explain to us what's going on and what's wrong and how to fix it, but Lord, you, you give us the, the hope you give us promises, promises that we can rely on, Lord, that we can trust on, that we can know that if we do what we need to do, that if we apply your word to our lives, if we let you work in our lives through your Holy Spirit, through your word, that we will be able to get to those promises, that we will be able to have those rewards, that our lives will truly be changed, that our lives will have meaning, that things will just be different, Lord God. Heavenly Father, I give you thanks because you love us to the point that you want to change our lives. You want to transform us. You want to take us from one point to another, from, from a worse to a better, Lord God. And not only from to a better, but also to a great and to an awesome and to a wonderful state of being, Lord God. 
Thank you, O Lord, because again, that is true love. You not only told us that you love us, but you gave everything for us. You gave your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, to die on the cross so that we could have eternal life, so that we can have something we don't deserve. Lord God, help us to understand that everything that you tell us is ultimately for our own good. That help us to understand that, Lord, we just need to change and we need to let you do what you need to do in our lives. I give you thanks and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if by any chance you do not have a personal relationship with Christ or your relationship with him has somehow fallen apart, it is never too late to change things. Come to Jesus with a repentant heart, asking God to forgive you for all of your sins and for Jesus to come into your life. Ask him to show you what he can do. But you need to let him in and you need to let him do it. I encourage you to make that decision today. And if you need some help with this, please, please contact us. We would love to be, we'd love to be of some help to you. May God bless you. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world.